不过人家也不假，阿斯特拉国罗 ，twenty fifteen。欢迎来到二零五零年的澳大利亚。Welcome to Australia in twenty fifty. In this future, there are three main languages spoken: English, Pinjara, and Mandarin. And the cultural climate of this country has changed. This is Yukalara in the future. It's located in southeastern Australia, about an hour from the nearest city. Seven siblings live here on a plot of land that they inherited from their great grandmother. It's not always easy to live with your family, but they try to get along. Welcome to Mudcast. In each episode of this series, you'll be introduced to one of the siblings, who each tread a different path for the future. Today, we meet Mia. Hi, I'm Mia. I just lost my job as a barista to a robot. I'm working as a barber now, but there's still heaps of robot competition. Would you rather go to a cheap robot barber than come to me? Hi, I'm Mika, and I'm your guide to Mia's world. Mia is a barber apprentice who is passionate and emotionally connected. Their core value is hedonism. Their future is highly passion-driven, but it depends entirely on the future of artificial intelligence. Mia's dream is to create an organic cafe in Yukalara Bay. And believes that living a pleasurable life is the key to success. What is being done in 2020 that shapes Mia's world, and what oversight should there be in artificial intelligence development that enables robots to become such a big part of our future? I'll speak to researchers about these challenges that face Mia in a bid to find out what it will take to make Mia's version of 2050 a reality. In 2050, the workforce has changed dramatically. Artificial intelligence is the stimulation of human intelligence processes by machines. This industry is booming, and robots are forcing Mia to make a decision about their career. But now, in 2020, artificial intelligence is just beginning. I was working at a big company. Felt that I could do it better. I was incredibly naive and optimistic. And、uh, I had been a software developer and thought there was a market for this particular kind of software that I knew how to create. And so, after planning it for a while, I decided to quit my job. Terry Gold was the co-founder, CEO, and president of Gold Systems, a software development company that created self-service solutions powered by voice, otherwise known as artificial intelligence. He is now an entrepreneur in residence at the University of South Australia. As it turns out, this was some of the automation that we're talking about, even back then, 25, almost 30 years ago, which would allow people to get information over the telephone without having to speak to a person using speech recognition, kind of like what we have today in in the form of Siri. And we thought about that: like, are we are we putting people out of work, and what's the the effect going to be? Terry believes that with artificial intelligence taking over more and more jobs, people will start looking towards creating their own businesses, like Mia's plan to open an organic cafe. The best time to start a, a company is often the worst of times in the economy, and so if we're going to see much worse times or even somewhat worse times due to automation taking jobs, there's going to be more people thinking, well. I should start a company. Some won't have a choice. They'll they'll be out of a job. They won't like their prospects of finding a job, and and that's just what they are going to have to do. And、uh, others will think, well, I never did like that company anyway, so why not start a new company? 
And still others will realize that when times are tough, it's easier to find uh, other people who want to work with you and, and be a part of something. In Mia's world, artificial intelligence and the use of machines in daily life is everywhere. But in 2020, some people still have their doubts about it. If there are activities that are entirely procedural and that, that don't sort of deviate from those procedures, then it's already happening, right? And yeah, who needs a lawyer when you can have a computer program that goes, are you this or that? Well, if you're that, then we'll go down this branched pathway. And there's a lot of just straightforward questions that are yes, no questions or, you know, yes to this particular choice. And you can do away with a lot of the human element of various very procedural kinds of activities. Dr Sal Humphreys is a senior lecturer in the Department of Media at the University of Adelaide. She has been thinking a great deal about the impact of artificial intelligence in our daily life. And for jobs that require human emotion, she says we still have a long way to go. What we're talking about is automation and taking human beings and human judgment out of a lot of decision making. So the first thing we need to think about is how good is artificial intelligence? How good is machine learning? And currently I would say it's got so many problems that I would say not very. And this is based on, you know, research that shows that there are many flaws in the ways in which data is gathered not being accurate the ways in which data is cleaned up before it's processed some data is excluded based on decisions made by programmers who go this data is irrelevant maybe it's not then there's the data training sets all models for machine learning are trained on data sets of things that have already happened Relying on historic data has already been shown to be a problem when it comes to programming artificial intelligence. Because they're based on past events, they tend to embody existing prejudice. And, you know, there's all sorts of ways in which people have shown that algorithms have produced outcomes that have been harmful to women, have been racist and sort of discriminatory on a number of different bases. So there's a problem with data sets and training sets and then there's a problem with automating decisions based on those models and whether the machine learning algorithm should be allowed to make particular decisions. At what point do you call for human judgment to come into those decisions? The biggest concern with artificial intelligence is that it doesn't yet factor in emotional intelligence. This means that data collection may become irrelevant or make mistakes. For example, in 2020, the Australian RoboDebt program was put in place to automatically charge welfare recipients for debt. But the system failed, instead overcharging people for alleged debts that didn't exist. Things like the Australian government's RoboDebt algorithm, which everybody knows is terribly flawed and requires some human judgment to be applied. Everybody knows the model is not sufficient. Some of its most basic assumptions are wrong. So you have a whole lot of people suffering both financial hardship and huge amounts of distress because there's an automated system where human judgment has been done away with. Identifying the potential for problems is one thing, but what happens when an automated system goes wrong and what do we do to fix it? You have to be able to prove that the algorithm has made a mistake. 
or that the data is wrong. And one of the things that we find is that a lot of these systems are proprietary and so we're not allowed to look at the algorithms and we're not allowed to look at the data that was used to make the decision because it's supposedly commercial in confidence, which means that there's no accountability. The data that these machines collect also simply may not be accurate. Machine learning algorithms are coded by people who set them off on a pathway but they learn as they go. If they're using big data sets, they're out there doing pattern recognition in a way that we, as a single human being, can't actually see those patterns because the, the data sets are too big. So we send an algorithm out to do that. So it's doing pattern recognition. It's finding patterns we haven't seen. They're correlative, not causative. Men who buy chic razors vote Republican. There are ways in which we are placed into categories that are correlative categories rather than causative ones. That's a problem. Ultimately, the algorithm changes as it goes. And eventually, even the person who coded the algorithm in the first place doesn't know what it's looking at. So how can that be then accountable? And it's, and it's a deeply decontextualizing process. You know, when I go onto Amazon and I buy a book about knitting for someone, it's not because I'm a knitter, you know, but that'll go in my profile anyway because it's decontextualised. The decontextualisation of all the things that we do when we're being tracked and watched and observed and monitored, it just goes in as bits and bytes and gets categorised and there's no explanation as to why you did that thing. It doesn't care. This is a system that says, oh, it is what it is. It's like a strictly kind of positivist system of discovery of what is without any concern for why. And so if you have decision making going on in that system, it has to be clear when you need someone to step in and go, that's because of this and bring the context back into it. So that would then bring about accountability. So the more automated it gets, the less accountable it seems to be. For Mia, this world of automated employment is a reality and their workplace and opportunity is being defined by the impact of robots. Would you trust a robot to do your job for you? Uh, in terms of like the basics, I work, I work at Hungry Jack's. You know, the actual process of making burgers and serving them, I think they could do that quite easily but the social interaction that comes with certain customers or like, you know, if you have a deaf customer, I have customers that come in, they're deaf and I know they're deaf and artificial intelligence be able to adapt to that sort of specificness for a specific customer. Depending on, you know, will it be better for the company if art like an artificial intelligence was supposed to do it, probably in terms of effect, like how effective they are, but are you going to maintain and keep customers if there's no personal relation and there's nothing that actually makes them want to stay with that company or with that group of people? Um, I think a robot could do most jobs, to be honest, better than most people could, but I don't know if I'm for it. I think it'd be a little bit less personal, a little bit less enjoyable but it'd probably be efficient. I run a catering business in a bar um, and I think robots couldn't do it. There's too many uh, small little jobs within that and too many personal um, jobs to interact with customers that I don't think robots could do. Perhaps we need to shift our focus on artificial intelligence, taking over our jobs, and instead think of what ways that they can help or augment the workforce. Like Mia, perhaps looking for opportunities that are uniquely available for humans could be our solution. Nyundumba future, banyang ngulangara ko joda, 
uteringanyi panya ara wiro juta nyundu payanja kwari chindu nyanganga the future will come from the choices made today jiang de weilai ma nyundu nyangangu mukuringanyi would you like this future This episode of Modcast is one of seven episodes in our Seven Siblings from the Future series, produced by Radio Adelaide Podcast Works. Today's episode was produced by me, Mika Botchel, with series senior producer Sarah Martin. Thanks to Dr. Sal Humphreys and Terry Gold for their insights in this episode, and to Natalie Kofora, Elkie Kleinig, Kristen Alford, and Nikki Marcel for background support and resources. The Seven Siblings from the Future podcast series is supported by MOD at the University of South Australia and is linked to an exhibition on site from November 2019 to May 2020. For more info, go to mod.org.au.